the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus and the disciples went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching? With authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. What are you possessed by? The truth is that we're possessed by many things. Politics, COVID, mental or physical illness, addiction, strained or broken relationships, just to name a few. Some of us might feel possessed by our seemingly never-ending to-do lists, whether for work or school or even just chores around the house. Or maybe we're possessed by technology from the compulsion to respond within a nanosecond's time to every ping and buzz from our smartphones to the ubiquitous condition known as Zoom fatigue. Living as we do in our consumer culture, obsessed with stuff, we might even be possessed by our possessions. We're possessed by so many things. Anything and everything that weighs on our minds and consumes our time and energy. At times it can feel like those things are suffocating us and keeping us held down. Not unlike the man in our gospel, possessed by an unclean spirit, cut off from his community, isolated and alone. Hollywood seems to be possessed by stories of possession like this, with more films about demons and exorcisms than we can ever name. And to be perfectly honest, I'm never quite sure what to do with these texts about demons in our Bible. But I'm not sure that that's really the point of this story. In a recent essay published in The New Yorker, writer John Matthias tells the story of his wife, Diana. Diana is a passionate and gifted art curator who begins to suffer from symptoms of Parkinson's disease and, later on, dementia. When Diana started to see hallucinations that became more and more real, some even frightening and sinister, John tried his best to enter into her world, to see the world as Diana saw it. As John reflects, I had read that it did not help to deny the reality of these visions, so I stopped doing that. 
I began to deal with them as if I could see what she did. Friends were also encouraged to make the same allowances. A fifth person at dinner for four didn't pose a big problem once you got used to that kind of thing. I informed the members of Diana's reading group that she might refer to people who weren't there, and they too made the adjustments. For years, I have tried as hard as I could to see these things, to share Diana's view of the passing world. When Diana's illness ultimately became too much to manage at home, and she moved into a care facility, all of this in the midst of COVID, no less, John is unable to see her, except through Zoom calls and phone calls. And on one of their last calls, when it was expected that Diana would not live through the night, John started to read the first poem that he ever wrote for her, stopping only when the grief suddenly hit him. You're doing great, Dad, his daughter pipes in to encourage him. But she wants to know about the flowery man. The flowery man had been one of Diana's many more gentle hallucinations, inspired by a flower pot in the hallway of their home. So, John concludes, I told her everything I knew. Even in the midst of Diana's physical and mental decline, there is healing in this story. As John enters into his wife's reality, right alongside her, seeing what she sees, indeed seeing her. To be seen like that is healing. That's the power of this healing story in the synagogue at Capernaum. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? The man with the unclean spirit cries out, under layers of anguish and isolation. One commentator invites us to hear Jesus' unspoken reply. Everything. I have everything to do with you. Just as John lovingly and patiently entered into Diana's reality to walk alongside her in her illness, to make her feel less alone, Jesus enters into this man's reality, to walk alongside him, to declare to him that he is not alone. And for perhaps the first time in this man's whole life, he is truly seen by someone who has everything to do with him, demons and all, by someone who is so deeply invested in his well-being that he's willing to enter into the unclean space where no one else dared to go. And in that moment, the man is healed. Released from his demons, yes, but more than that, made holy by the Holy One of God, liberated from isolation and loneliness, restored to community, possessed by a new spirit. The spirit that filled Jesus at his baptism, 
that accompanied him into the wilderness, that emboldened him to declare that the kingdom of God has come near, and that entered into the most painful and most isolated places of human existence to bring good news to us, even at our worst. Our new hymnal supplement, All Creation Sings, includes a very moving hymn text that has quickly become one of my favorites, written by the composer for a friend whose mother was living with Alzheimer's. The hymn writer prays for God's healing peace and patient courage as the first stanza begins, when memory fades and recognition falters, when eyes we love grow dim and minds confused. Even in that space of uncertainty, under the weight of all that possesses us, the hymn writer continues into the final stanza, testifying to God's faithfulness and presence. Within your spirit, goodness lives unfading. The past and future mingle into one. All joys remain, unshadowed light pervading. No valued deed will ever be undone. Your mind enfolds all finite acts and offerings. Held in your heart, our deathless life is one. So much possesses us, dear church. But hear the truth of the gospel today. We are possessed by God's own spirit, a spirit that never fades away, that holds our past and present and future, that enfolds us in infinite mercy, that bears us from death into life abundant. The unclean spirits that possess us, whatever they are, are no match for God's spirit. The spirit that names us beloved, that goes with us into the wilderness, that enters into our reality right alongside us and reassures us that we are never alone. <laughs>